Okay, today we pick up on Peitzer Bet, 89B in Gittin, and we wrap up uh, yesterday's daf, and then we will do Tzadi, the last daf of Gittin. So we are in the middle of Peitzer Amud Bet, and um, Amar Ashi, it is about 20 lines down. Um, if you go where the Tosa says Amar Huna, and you go across from there and you go up about five lines. Mine starts with the word Rabbanon, Amar of Ashi. And we're in the middle of a discussion here in the Mishnah. The Mishnah spoke about if there's a rumor, a coal, um, that a woman got married, we have to be concerned about that and not allow her to um, marry somebody else without a get from the person she was rumored to be married to. Uh, but then there's a lot of discussion in the Gemara about exactly the situations in which that's true. First of all, um, we wouldn't pay attention to such rumors after a woman was already married, rumors about her status. That's called after Nisuin. Um, also issues about how much type of substantiation there has to be about that rumor, that actually there's a lot of uh, supporting type of um, uh, circumstances and supporting evidence. Um, and um, was a whole question about the degree that you need that. And then there was another question also about whether we're mifatlin on kala, whether when we find out that the call was false, do we at proactively go and try to, um, you know, and try to negate it um, so that and and make sure that it's not out there as an issue to be concerned about, um, or if we find I should say that the coal was not substantiated. So a lot of really important questions. Very hard to quantify some of these things. Um, and now we pick up with this um, with Amarav Ashi. Amarav Ashi kol kol adlois chazik bevedina lav kol any call, any type of a rumor that the Bastin has not looked into it and established that this is something to be concerned about um, would not be something that we would be concerned about, okay? Which is somewhat consistent with the idea before that you need substantiating evidence and so on. Um, and here he is saying that um, that uh, you really, it's a, a reinforcing of that idea. If you look at Rashi here, the first wide line, Rashi says, Lo elim king yodu that the basin has to, first of all, investigate based on standards that we had discussed earlier in the Gemara, and they actually declared, yes, this is a cult to be concerned about. Okay? The um, Amar Vashi, and similarly, Ravashi said, and this is something that we had said um, earlier, any call that comes after the woman is married, after she got married, there was a rumor that um, she was, let's say, um, had sex beforehand and makes her forbidden to a Kohen or was married to some other man or something of that nature. We're not concerned about that. We're not going to pay attention to it once this has an impact on the man that she is married to, um, on her current status. Um, so the Gemara says, and, But that would mean that if it came after Eresin, not when she is already living with this man, but only has had Kiduchin with that man, um, then that would be something that we, be, we would be concerned about and we would have to act accordingly, again, assuming that it satisfied all the requirements of Makol. Rav Chaviva says, no, we're not even concerned with that because, again, it will have implications on this man that she's already married to. It's not just a generic question of her status. There's actually a relationship here that is being impacted. Um, and we rule like Rav Chaviva that once they're actually, if she is married to a man, we are not concerned 
concerned about those types of rumors. Um, okay. Amarav Yirmiya Barava Shocholam They sent from the house of Rav Tishmuel. Yilam Deinu Rabbeinu, let our master teach us. Um, okay, so this is going to be an actually a case of coal, and then there was somebody, um, and you know, normally we say once there's a coal, then like here's the procedure you have to be choshesh, you should do this, you shouldn't do that. But here somebody just went ahead and acted despite the coal. So there was a coal um, that he was married to Uvain, and then Shimon came along and married her in a way in front of everybody. Kiddushay Tar, I mean, it wasn't just a coal. People saw uh, Shimon came ahead and gave her kiddushin and said harayat and so on in disregard of the call. And presumably this was a type of a call that normally we would be concerned about. Okay, mahu. Um, so what should we do? Shalakluhu teitze. She has to um, leave the second guy. Um, where meaning presumably it sounds like a death, but we'll sort of see in a minute. Um, she has to be concerned about the coal. It was a type of a coal. Presumably you'd be concerned about. Um, but try to establish the actual facts of the matter. Establish it on its clarity. Vodiuni. And get back to me. Let me know what the resolution was. Okay? My, so the Gemara says, or my here, my vemidu davra What does it mean that we should clarify the matter? So the first position is we're choshish for the kol, even bidyeved, and even if she married, the second guy did a kiddushin, we forced the second guy to divorce her. That's what it sounds like. Okay? And now you're going to clarify it. So what does that mean? So if it means that we're going to investigate and then we're going to identify and find out that the first one actually was not valid, okay, it was enough of a cold that there was something to be concerned about. Let's say it was the case in the Gemara. Everybody came out and they were carrying candles and everybody was talking. Oh my gosh, what a beautiful wedding that was, etc., etc. But you didn't have actual formal edus. Okay, so that was a pretty strong cold. And now we're going to look into it um, and we're going to say that, um, and we're going to see, oh, you know what, guess what? The ring wasn't a shavapruta or something. It wasn't a good kiddushin. So therefore, if you look into it and, and determine that the first one was not something to be worried about, and therefore we would go ahead and we would actually say, okay, fine, actually we looked into it, it's not a concern, and um, the second guy does not have to divorce her. That's what you mean. So stage number one, assume the call is true. There was good substantiating sort of circumstances. Um, but check into it. If you discern it was not true, then you can ignore it and move on. But you can't say that. But Narda was the place of Shmuel. Um, and, um, you know, and actually, I mean, I know why they said that. They actually said explicitly they sent to Shmuel. Um, and, 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 you know, and Narda, oh, I mean, yeah, meaning, meaning Narda, we know, is the place that is not Mevato the Kol. Okay, so therefore, now by the way, that's interesting. You see the basin finds out that it really was not a problem and still they would not be mevatel the call, which means that at a certain point, if there's enough substantiating circumstances and so on, basin can't rule in a way or allow a practice in a way that seems, according to everybody, to violate, you know, their clear understanding of the reality. It's like this point that, you know, the only difference between reality and perception is it's a lot easier to change reality than perception. So even if based and determines that the call was false, they're going to false first the second. If you pass in like Nahardan, which is where Shmuel, you know, place, where it is that you're not Mavato the call, then um, you're going to still force the second guy to give a get because it doesn't matter. Everybody's going 
going to think that he's married to this woman who's married to another man. So therefore, that can't be. Ella, so that's a little bit unfortunate that we give in to that perception, but anyway. Ella, the imigayim milsa de kedusha kama kedusha ma'ayaninu. Oh, okay, so what it means, clarify the matter, is now you just have some coal that he was married to the first guy with some supporting, you know, circumstances. But now you go ahead and you find out and you investigate and you speak to people that were there and you get direct testimony that it was true. Now you know it as a matter of fact. In that case, um, then she doesn't need to get from the second guy. Then she can actually go ahead and stay married to the first guy. So here's the ruling. The ruling is... Okay, it's a strong call, so she might be married to the first guy, so you have to force the second guy to give a get. Now go ahead and investigate. If you investigate and find out that she was never married to the first guy, it doesn't matter. The call is the call, and the second guy is going to have to give the get. Okay, fine, she can't be married to the first, second guy. But if you find out that the first guy, she definitely was married to him, it's, you know, it's not just a call, it's a fact, in that case then the second guy doesn't even need to give her a get. She just goes back to, she just, you know, is married to the first guy. So the ruling, Tetze, is true regardless. The second guy cannot, cannot say married to the second guy because the call is the call whether it's proven to be true or not, okay? Whether she needs a get or not from the second guy is based on whether you have evidence or you just have a call in terms of her marriage to the first guy. Um, all right. Um, yeah. This argues on Ravuna. That Ravuna says that if a married woman sticks out her hand, if she's married to Ruvain, we know she's married to Ruvain, and she goes out and she accepts Kiddushin from Shimon, okay, then she is married to Shimon, based on the teaching of Ravamnuna. That if a woman says straight to her husband's face, you have divorced me, she's believed, we think that a woman would never be that brazen to say that in the presence of her husband if it were not true. And therefore, accepting Kiddushin from Shimon is like saying directly to her husband, that you divorced me. So were we to pask in that way, that's exactly this case, is that he accepted, um, you know, Kiddushin from Reuven. So therefore, says the Gemara, um, that, um, um, that according to that, um, she would definitely, uh, now, whether it means, you know, whether that teaching, by the way, of Rav Huna, um, he said, uh, you know, would say that means that she can even, she doesn't need to get from the first guy, or she's that she's Mekodesh, whatever. But anyway, we see there that even if there's known as a fact that she's married to Uvain, she still is going to minimally need a get from the second guy. And here we're saying that if you determine as a fact that she's married to Uvain, she doesn't, she, she can just go back to Uvain. She doesn't need a get. So the Gemara says, no. The Edach, the response back would be, No, 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 no. Rav Hamnuna's statement was only if she says directly to her husband, you divorced me, or if she accepts the Kiddushin from Shimon in the presence of her husband. That's when we give credence to the fact that it must be that she really is divorced. Okay, but in this case, she accepted Kiddushin from Shimon, not in the presence of Reuven. So, again, to repeat, okay, this woman, there's a call that she was married to Reuven. She accepts Kiddushin from Shimon, not in the presence of Reuven. The halacha is, the call is a strong call. She can't stay married to Shimon. Does she have to get a get from Shimon? If there's just a call, she has to get a get from Shimon, because we don't know if the call's true or not. But if we know for a fact she's married to Reuven, she doesn't have to get a get from Shimon. How about 
um, the fact that even a woman who we know is married to Uvein, who accepts Kiddushin from Shimon, um, we say that that's like evidence that she's divorced so from Ruvain. The answer is no, it's only evidence if it was in Ruvain's presence. This was not in Ruvain's presence, and therefore she doesn't even need a get from Shimon. Tosus, by the way, points out that we all agree that to really consider it as evidence that she was divorced from Ruvain, it has to be in Ruvain's presence. That was never debated. But the point here is once you start with that, maybe you know, we would at least concede that even not in Ruvain's presence, she should need a get from Shimon. And the answer is no. That if you know for a fact that she was married to Ruvain, and even when she accepts Kiddushin from Shimon, not in Ruvain's presence, then um, that is meaningless, and she doesn't need a get, and it says nothing, and she just goes back to being married with to Ruvain. Okay, very good. Um, okay, now, lo boy of mahu. Okay, now, back to our case. You investigated it, and you don't know um, what the story is, okay? There was a, room, uh, uh, a strong call. She was married to Reuven. Simon uh, gave her Kiddushin. You investigated it. You don't know one way or the other. You're left where you were. So until now, it sounded like, you know, we said, basically, Shimon would have to divorce her, and uh, presumably she'd go back to be married to Reuven. But let's see what the Gemara says. Or, you know, according to the code. So the Gemara says, Lo What's the story? The opposite of what the language said, the language was Tetze, but he's explaining Tetze, meaning Tetze from the first guy. Reuven actually has to be the one to divorce her. And now she can, if she chooses to, she can be married to Shimon, right? Because we're concerned about the coal. So one way of dealing with the coal is, we, if, she, if, we, if according to the coal, she's married with Reuven, let Reuven divorce her and let her go be married to Shimon. Okay. What about the switch? The, you know, that's what we sort of assumed. Let Shimon divorce her and let her go back and be married to Reuven. Even if, if the coal was true, that certainly would be the case. And even if the coal weren't true, that could be okay. So he says... No. My time or why? I'll see the Maimar Because people will say, oh, you know what? Both you know, what happened was was that the call is true. She was married to Ruvain. Then Ruvain divorced her. Then she got married to Shimon. Now Shimon is divorcing her, and now she's going back to being married with Ruvain. So we don't like the perception of that. Okay? So even though there's no call right now about a divorce from Ruvain we are not going to let that be an option, which really feels very unfortunate. You know, anytime we sort of give in to the perception of the crowds, um, you know, when, uh, even if we're covering our bases, feels like to be unfortunate. So, okay, we're concerned about the possibility she's married to Reuven. That should give us our options open. She could, you know, they'll have to figure it out between the three of them, but at least we have the options of Reuven divorcing her and being married to Shimon, or Shimon divorcing her and being married to Reuven. Either way will work, whatever the reality of the call is. But we're going to say, no, 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 we're concerned about the perception that the Reuven marriage has existed, and there'll be a perception of divorce, and then remarriage. Okay, that's his position. 
No, he's okay with that. The second guy can divorce and marry. The first one, we're not concerned that there'll be another layer and say that there was a marriage to Ruvain, a divorce, or marriage to Shimon, a divorce, and now Machzir Kushaso. That the rabbis looked into it and discovered that it was an error, that the, um, you know, that the, um, once she winds up going back to Reuven, rather than saying, oh, Shimon divorced her, and then saying she was married to Reuven, and then married to Shimon, and divorced and remarried, etc., they'll say the reason she's going back to Reuven is because she was always married to Reuven because the marriage to Shimon was never good. Okay. Um, so, um, so now, again, to review, there was a rumor that she was married to Reuven. It was a strong rumor. Then she went ahead and she got married to Shimon. So because we're concerned with the rumor, we can't just leave the situation like it is. We go ahead and it, we first we try to verify what the reality is. If we have evidence that she's married to Reuven, then fine. Then whatever happened with Shimon was meaningless. She stays with Reuven. We're not concerned that accepting Kiddushin from Shimon signifies something about her relationship with Reuven. That's good. If we determine that the rumor was definitely false, doesn't help us. Loma Vatlin and Kala. We still have to tr- deal with the reality of the perception. <laughs> Not the perception, the perception of the reality and the reality of the perception. So what are we going to do? There's a perception she's married to Reuven and now we saw she got married to Shimon. So one opinion is, is that Reuven is, we're going to force Reuven to divorce her. But we will not let. We will not allow for the option of Shimon divorcing her because it'll look like machzir gushaso. And the second opinion, which according to Tosfos way we Paskin like, is we're not concerned about a perception of machzir gushaso. You know, again, it's unfortunate to any degree that we have to accommodate the perception of the reality. We're not concerned. We'll let her go back to Reuven if that's what works, um, or to go to Reuven if that's what works, because we'll say, given that there was a perception she was married to Reuven, people will just assume the marriage to Shimon never happened. Okay, wrapping this up, um, let's say there was not that we know Shimon married her, there was a rumor that on Monday, a strong rumor on Monday, she got married to Ruin, and then as, uh, uh, another rumor uh, on Tuesday, a strong rumor she got married to Shimon. Okay, so there's just two competing rumors. What's the story there? You know, these again are rumors that we have to, that apparently are strong enough we have to be worried about. We'll assume we were not able to clarify their truth, their truth or not. So, what are her options that are available to her now? So Rav Papa Amar, Avzu Megarish Rishon Manoseh Sheni, even this one she's limited, if you follow Rav Huna, within Rav Huna, she's limited to the same possibilities. She has to go back to, uh, she has to stay with Shimon, otherwise it will look like Machzir Grushaso. And Amemar says, no, come on, at this fall already, even Rav Huna would agree, we're not going to limit her, her, her options. Okay, since both of them are rumors, we're not going to be concerned that they're going to say, Rumor number one was definitely true, and rumor number two was definitely true, and she was married and divorced and remarried and re-divorced and so on. No, since it's all rumors, we'll let her stay with Reuven, and we'll assume that, you know, only one of the rumors had to be false in order for her to be able to stay with Reuven and not be machzir grushaso. Okay, that's the way we pass him. It's just competing rumors. Yes, we do have to attend to them, but we're not going to give both of them such absolute weight that we're going to be concerned of a perception of machzir grushaso, and we will allow her to... 
marry, stay married with Reuven, uh, get a get from Shimon. Again, all of this, though, does remain unfortunate, especially if you pass in Lama Vaklin and Kala, that even when we know the facts, we have to, to some degree, accommodate the perception. Okay, now we pick up last daf, top of Tzadi Abad Aleph, and after all, an entire Masechus that deals with the uh, technicality or the legal of the act of the actual legal act of divorce and the writing of the get and so on, we finally get to a mission that deals with the circumstances which warrant a divorce. So let's take a look. Okay, so the Pasuk that talks about divorce says, you know, it's actually funny, the whole Torah where it talks about giving the get and whatever, sort of talks about it almost like in passing. Oh, a man finds his wife, an act of, 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 of sexual sin, you know, she doesn't find favor in his eyes, and he divorces her, and then another man marries her, and oh, then don't, the first guy can't remarry her. Like, it's all in the context of the Isser of Machzir Grushaso, the whole, the whole Torah, the whole Torah's what it has to say about get and divorce is sort of a, you know, sort of within the framing of Masir Hushaso. Be that as it may, okay, it frames the initial circumstances why the first guy divorced her. She doesn't find favor in his eyes. So Beit focuses on that they're actually a matter of sexual sin, um, and it could mean suspected of sexual sin, but it seems like matzaba, and the language of the Gemara is going to sound like, no, he actually knows that she committed adultery. So the only time that a, that the Torah sort of warrants divorce, and we'll see about the B'dievet in the Gemara, is according to Beit Shammai, is when he's forced to divorce her, when there's actually an act of adultery. Otherwise, there's no basis for divorce. Okay? Now, the lo yigarish et adam person should not. Already from the Mishnah, it very much suggests that it's a question about guidelines and what is appropriate, and nobody is questioning the fact that the get actually works, right? This would be um, in general within, you know, the, the, the Torah, within Halacha, the get, while it does require Adim, um, doesn't require a basin and really is in a way a, you know, an act between the two parties, between the husband and wife. Uh, this is different than a, um, you know, this is different than the idea of, an, of, of that a court issues a divorce and um, or fault and no-fault divorce where the state has to decide whether the state will issue a divorce under these circumstances. And in cases in which there's fault divorce, um, you know, if you don't have justifying circumstances, you're just never going to have a divorce that is going to be given by the state. Um, that is not what we are saying here. Here, the it, it's like it, it's a type of a almost transaction. Obviously, it affects status, but it's between the two of them. It does not have to be be uh, warranted. It does not have to be approved of by uh, by the state, um, and therefore the question of motivation, you know, seen, is being framed here very much in terms of guidelines and what is appropriate, not actually what is required for the divorce to be binding. Okay, but Beishamai says still is coming from that attitude of fault divorce. You should not get divorced unless there's absolutely no other alternative. The woman actually committed adultery, which halachically makes it forbidden for them to be living together. Even if she just burned his uh, soup, his, uh, you know, his, his, his porridge, Rashi says either it means put in too many spices or it means it actually burnt it, did just something that annoyed him. 
davar. Now, of course, it's the exact same pasuk, but as we'll see in the Gemara, they emphasize the word davar, matzabah davar. There was something that you didn't like, some little thing that upset the guy. Okay, so Beit Shammai says there needs to be very little um, justification. Beit Hillel, which is interesting. You know, we often think that Beit Hillel is Lakula, um, is here, he being, I mean, if you think about that the wife wants to stay married and the husband is acting capriciously and so on, if that genuinely is the dynamic, then, um, then um, that's certainly not being sensitive to the wife. On the other hand, it certainly is lenient in the sense of giving a wide berth um, of human freedom, right? That you don't, you're not restricted in terms of that. And also, you know, uh, it also, you know, it, it, maybe the wife is the one that wants to get the divorce and so on. Of course, that's not how all this is all frayed. This is all very unilateral from the perspective of the husband. But the point is, is that when you, anyway, do not have the Beit Shammai parameters, you're giving, um, it is a kula. Um, might have harmful consequences to people, but you kula at least in the sense that you're operating with fewer restrictions. Um, okay. Rabbi um, Akiva, Rabbi Akiva says, She doesn't have to have done anything wrong. You don't even have to think she's done anything wrong. She's the perfect wife. But this guy, all of a sudden, he's more attracted to some, you know, to a secretary 20 years younger. That's enough. She doesn't have, she could be the perfect wife and done everything right. But, 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 you no longer find favor in my eyes. I'm now attracted to somebody else. Again, very, very harsh. Um, in terms of thinking about anything to protect the interests of the wife. Now, again, this is all about guidelines. It's not about legal restrictions about when a death can be good or not. But nevertheless, even in terms of guidelines, is it a healthy thing for Rabbi Akiva to be saying something of this nature? So, you know, um, I mean, some people want to sort of connect this to the Rabbi Akiva, who, you know, who is like one of the few um, Tanayim or Amarayim or whatever that we know in terms of his, like, love affair with his, with his wife and how much, you know, and how much he profoundly and deeply impassioned he fell in love with her. Um, so, you know, maybe he just is a romantic and just believes you shouldn't, you, should, you know, you have to go where your heart leads you and you should always be passionately in love with your wife and therefore, uh, yes, that's a basis for divorce. Um, uh, um, anyway, so, but it's a, it's a little hard to read. I think we do have to acknowledge. Um, and um, um, uh, it does also connect with another position of Rabbi Akiva, that Rabbi Akiva in a number of places speaks about, you know, the importance about a wife, like, ba- you know, washing herself or whatever on Tishabav and so on, and Yom Kippur, you know, and, uh, and um, uh, it practices during Nida to make sure that a woman is not tithkaneh ba'Allah, does not, um, you know, in any way become displeasing to her husband because if Rabbi Akiva is, if follows an approach that, you know, that if my wife, that a man should, you know, man should feel, is, is right, is, is in his rights to feel that he wants to marry anybody, you know, a woman who he just is more attracted to or finds more pleasing, right, then you have, then it puts a heavy sort of responsibility on his wife to always be looking her best and always be um, having her husband attracted to her. So it does lead to certain leniencies within halacha, but again, something to really think about in terms of our contemporary ethos. Okay, let's take a look now at the Gemara. Tanya, Tanya, we turn to Brisa. 
Amr Beitzila Beitzamai. Beitzila said to Beitzamai, Velok Farnemar Davar. It says Davar, which means any matter. It doesn't have to be Erva. Amr Lam Beitzamai. Beitzamai said, Velok Farnemar Ervat. But it says Ervat, which means Erva, sexual sin. Amr Lam Beitzila, Im Nemar Ervat, Velok Nemar Davar, Hiti Omer Mishum, Erva Tete Mishum Davar Lotete. No, it had to say both. Okay? Because it had to say. Uh, you know, davar, not just ervat, because if it said ervat, of course you can divorce your wife because of sexual sin, but I might not have known that you could divorce it just because of anything that bothered you. A davar, any small transgression. And, you know, not even transgression, any small, oh, you know, misstep. Lekachnem um, or davar, it has to say, no, that there's an act, that even, even anything, even any matter that was wrong, the next part of the pasuk, when it says v'halchava ha'isali ishacher, I might have thought, okay, you know, if it had just said if a man divorces his wife because he doesn't like her, she marries somebody else, I might have thought, okay, but if he divorces her because she actually committed a sexual sin and committed adultery, maybe she's not entitled to marry somebody else. Now the halacha is she can't marry the adulterer, but she can marry anybody, any other person. So l'kach nemer ervat. Has to say both. It has to say that even when there's adultery, she's permitted to marry someone else. But in terms of motive, you know, justifications for divorce, even the slightest thing. So that's the double language. Now, for Bechamai now, the question is, why does it say davar, which is Beis Hillel's basis of saying even a small thing? Why did it just say kimatzaba um, erva? Um, and so, Bechamai, hi Davar, my Avidle, what would they do with Davar? Nimmer Khan Davar, Nimmer Davar. A peach name, Edimo, Peach Lashaidim, Yakum Davar. Matters should be established by two or three witnesses. Malhalam Bishnaidim, Afkam Bishnaidim. To tell you that the same way you need two witnesses to testify, you know, in a court case, if you want to prove a woman's infidelity and adultery, right, so so to suspect it, and then it's only through a particular process, but for a woman to be seen as having committed adultery, even not to punish her in court, but, you know, in terms of creating an obligation, for, forbidding for her husband to live with her, and an obligation to get divorced, that has to be with witnesses. Obezil miksiv erva bidavar. It didn't say an erva was found through davar, through witnesses. It says ervat davar. So davar is not the witnessing, it's a separate thing. says, okay, but let's face it, ervat davar is a single phrase. It's not two things, erva or davar. Yes, you're right, it's a phrase, and therefore it's telling you both. It's telling you either you can divorce for erva or divorce for davar. And oh, by the way, in terms of evidence of adultery, that needs to be with witnesses. Okay, fine. But for Beit Hillel, again, this is why it seems that the Erva, I mean, for Beit Shammai, is not just suspicion of adultery and so on, um, or, you know, sexual impropriety. Since they're using Davar, they're really learning this to tell you that, um, that this woman has actually committed adultery, and that's when divorce is warranted. Again, it'll work even not that way, but that's when it's warranted, when there's real evidence of adultery and there's absolutely, it's actually halakhically forbidden to stay married. That is the case, one case that Pechamai says where divorce is really warranted. Okay, now the Gemara continues. Even another one more beautiful, or just more pleasing. What's they are debating? So, and the Gemara is not is asking this in a technical sense, not in a more, you know, sort of uh, uh, attitudes towards marriage and divorce sense. But Reish Lakish, they argue about Reish you know, with the, in the position of Reish Lakish. The word key in the Torah can operate in four ways. It can mean if, it can mean lest, 
um, or, or, you know, um, Ella rather and Deha because. So Rashi has a lot of examples, but one cute example we have both is by Avram and Sarah, it says um, um, uh, um, that Sarah says, Lotzachakti ki yareya, because she said she did not laugh because, she, because ki, she was afraid. Vayom and Avraham said, lo, no, ki, rather, tzachakti, you did. So that is ki meaning, meaning da, because she was afraid, and ella, rather. E, if, like, you know, is like, um, is, 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 uh, ki tir short sonacha. You know, if you see the, you know, the, the ox of your enemy, you know, um, ki is very often, ki kare kansi por lefanecha. E, um, that dilma lest is ki tomar bilvavcha, lest you say in your heart, rabim ha-goyim Okay, there are actually more than just those four, but anyway. Okay, so now how do they debate that? Beit sham savri, beit sham I hold. It's one statement. Why does she not find favor? Because she has committed adultery. So really it is only one option here. She's committed adultery. Rabbi Akiva Savar, Ki Matzabayar Vastavar, Inami Matzabayar Vastavar. No, they're two separate things. If she does not find favor, Ki Matzabayar if he found a matter of erva. Oh, now obviously that's still a little funny that the O, you know, it doesn't seem normally how the key would mean the word O. But anyway, but he reads those as two separate statements. Fine. I'm only Rav Papa. Now, actually, also Beit Shammai also sort of, Beit Hill also is like Beit Shammai that does not see as a separate clause. Okay. And it's only Rabbi Akiva who sees it as completely independent. I'm only Rav Papa Rava. Said Rav Papa to Rava. Lo matzaba lo erva lo davar mai. If, let's say, he had, there was no basis no erva, no davar, according to Beit Hillel, Beit Shammai. He divorced, and he divorced her without these justifying sort of motivations. Does it work? Or does he have to remarry her? So Amaleh, he said to me, Degali Rachman, since the says by the rapist, he cannot divorce her all his life, which means, if he divorces the woman that he raped, if she agrees to marry him, um, that he's not allowed to divorce her, and if he divorces her, he has to remarry her. So there, by the rapist, the Torah tells you he has to remarry her. Here, <coughs> maybe the Torah did not, that was not within the guidelines of the Torah, but obviously, as we said earlier, it will take effect regardless. This is not saying that the get only works under these circumstances. I'm going to read Rav Shal Rav. said Rav Meshach Shal Rav. Let's say he is planning on divorcing her, but he's keeping it to himself. You know, until he's good and ready, he's going to have her in the house and making his meals and making his bed and having sex with her. And, you know, and he's not telling her that his plan is to divorce her. So, like, what's the story? Now, obviously, it's, it's repugnant, but he actually is, like, looking for, you know, some type of a statement to that effect. Kariele, um, he says, he said the, the following pasuk applies. Do not plot against your 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 friend, um, like you know, um, right? So you know, you, you know, this person who you're close to, do not plot against an evil who yoshev lavetach itach, and he is dwelling with uh, surety with, with you know with you. So it, it, it's a tremendous sense of um, betrayal um, that you are going ahead and planning this evil and you know you know working under these understandings of the relationship and taking advantage and it's just tremendous betrayal to be doing something of this nature. 
Tanya, Utana Brisa. Hi, Rebbe Meir Omer. Kashem Shehadeot Bemachal Kachdeot Benashim. The same way there are different attitudes towards food, there's different attitudes towards women. Often food and sex are used as an analogy here. It's less about sex per se, but anyway, let's see what this, what this analogy is. Certain person is very finicky, fastidious. A fly falls into his uh, cup of wine and he throws out the whole cup of wine. It's been a tiny bit contaminated. He won't drink it. Okay. This, uh, when comparing this to men's attitudes towards their wives, again, very sense here about, you know, in general, the whole sense about about easy disposal of wives. You know, the nice thing about Beit Shammai, I mean, okay, it's very restrictive, but it certainly means that the husband cannot just treat his wife as something that he can dispose of as soon as, um, you know, it a little bit annoys him, okay? And, but the idea that a man can unilaterally divorce his wife and that creates a certain type of potential way of looking at this relationship, you know, to property, as if to food and so on, there's obviously going on here in this um, analogy. So here, the comparison would be, when he would leave his house, he would lock the door and um, keep his wife locked up in jail in the house, which is horrific. Um, and he would be so fastidious, the same way he wouldn't drink wine that a fly touched, he wouldn't want to be with his wife, have sex with his wife, or whatever, you know, that he had any interaction with the outside world. Obviously, as um, um, you know, Rashi points out how bad that is. If you look at the last line of Rashi, you meet a that you know he's thinking that he's totally protecting her from you know from be whatever from this, but actually that just creates terrible you know hatred and enmity and suspicion and jealousy, and it just leads to much much worse you know sort of um, 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 uh, results. That she would even go ahead and dafka, you know, commit adultery. But even besi- that point aside, obviously it's horrific for us to think about this type of a, you know, controlling uh, relationship. And we know about spousal abuse and so on. Anyway, and the Gemara is looking at it as, you know, is not sort of looking at it through that lens at all. Obviously it might be critical of this, but it's just like he's overly fastidious. He doesn't want his wife interacting with anyone, you know. Um, okay. Um, okay. Uh, there's somebody else that the fly falls into his cup. When you throw out the, you know, you get rid of the of, of the of the fly and drink the cup. Like two second rule, three second rule. That's the way most people are with their food and with their wives. That she, yeah, she speaks, you know, she interacts with other possible things that can contaminate, right? Her brother, her friends. And he allows it. He's not concerned that that's somehow he doesn't get suspicious about jealous and you know other types of things. And then there's somebody that the fly falls into the um, stew. It's interesting now that it's which is the stew. Motetsov ochlo. And he's, you know, wrings out the fly to get all the juices of the stew out of the fly. And then he goes and eats it, not the fly, the stew. Zuimidas adamra. That's even after it's, things have really been contaminated. Maybe the stew gets more contaminated than the, than, 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 than the wine. Um, he, he, you know, he, it doesn't bother him. Shiroas Isho Yotsev Rosha Parua, his wife goes out and acts in this very um, 
a free manner that maybe allow you know draws a t- you know whether she's asking you know you know wanting to attract attention or not but she just acts you know goes out in this way that's not modest and that draws the other eyes of you know of of men Yotzis Rosha Parua she goes out with her head uncovered Vitova um, Bishuk and she knits in the marketplace exposing her arms Ufruma Mishnitz Tadeha she wears clothing that is slid up the side. And bathes with um, with with men. He says, literally with men. I mean, oh my God! Like I know, you know, who would do that, right? And a woman bathing together with men is certainly anyway probably naked. Okay, fine, but in the same place in the river where the men would bathe. So you know, she's going in while they're going out, or vice versa. Way too close. Okay, this type of a case where a woman is asking, act, acting this way, you know, it's a mitzvah to divorce her, whether because, you know, not necessarily because there's a direct suspicion that she committed adultery, but just because that is, you know, uh, this is a whole discussion in Xuvos about Das, das Motion, Das Yehudis, and a certain way of acting that, um, you know, about within the context of a marriage. It's true the Gemara talks about. Uh, the Mishnah talks specifically about women's behavior. You know, we would talk about both. You know, is a husband supposed to go flirting with, uh, you know, every waitress when they go down, you know, when, when, when they're at a restaurant? There's a ways in which you act that do not draw, you know, are inappropriate in terms of acting with people that are not your spouse or drawing attention from people that are not your spouse. So this is a mitzvah to divorce. Shigarsha shenemar ki matzabai it's something and here I think it's reading Ervastavar again, not evidence of adultery, but that Ervastavar in a more broad sense, you know, inappropriate, sexual, you know, in, you know, inappropriate behavior of a sexual nature. Um, okay. Um, now, now we're going to continue explaining this pasuk. It says, So this woman who's divorced, and let's say it means not for this reason, let's say it means, you know, or one or the other, okay, she goes and marries another one. A different man. The second guy is not a twin with the first guy, in the negative sense, okay? The first guy did the right thing. He got rid of this wicked woman from his house, this woman who acts in this very sexually free manner in public, okay, or actually committed adultery. The other guy is an achir. He's different. He's not of the same quality as the first guy. He brings her into a house. Again, this is all very, very much from the male eye, the male perspective, and there is so much to sort of you know, say about this and about how things could very much, you know, when the way men could draw women and they have their and suspicions and so on and men's behavior, etc. But anyway, we'll continue. If the second guy merits, he'll also divorce her because he shouldn't have married her in the first place. Okay, and then the Pasuk says, and what happens if the second guy hates her and divorces her? But if he's not that mer- meritorious, she'll bury him. Or he dies. Okay, so this guy really should have known better than to marry her. He, you know, fit, that is fitting for him. Um, in case we didn't get it the first time, the first, you know, this is a deserving end because the first guy got this wicked woman out of his house and this guy brought her into his house. Now, last little drush on this idea. When you hate divorce, send away. 
Rabbi, that's a pasuk in Malachi. Rabbi Yudomer, im sin esa shalach. If you hate her, send her away. So this is, now Rashi says, Rabbi Akiva. That's like Rabbi Akiva. You hate her. I don't know if Rabbi Akiva, who says, um, who says, lotim sachein be'inav is the same as saying that she's hated. I mean, it is true that Leah is called snu'ah, you know. But anyway, um, but um, anyway, so that's Rabbi Akiva, or maybe it's uh, Rabbi Tillel. Okay, when you don't like her, you get rid of her. Rabbi Yodan Omer, Sanuya Mishalech. No, no, no. The one who sends her out is to be hated. You know, that's a more of a, you know, Beit Shammai type of a thing, of an approach. Like, you do not just trivially divorce your wife. There's a different girsi. If you do, you are considered to be despicable. Okay, there's a different girsi on the side. Only when she is hated by God should you send her out, meaning only if she committed adultery. So it's a tort of a Rabbi Akiva Beit Shammai or Beit Hillel Beit Shammai, different ways of reading the Pasar. Locally, says in a way they don't disagree. It depends whether it is the first marriage or the second marriage. Any man who divorces his first wife, even the, the altar cries, you know, that this, that the, the tragedy of it. And this second you should do, cover the uh, altar of God with crying and with uh, wailing. Because God is no longer turning to the mincha and to wants to accept this from your hands. And you say, why? What have we done wrong? That, that, that the crying is covering the altar and God no longer is desirous of us. Because God is testifying about you and the wife of your youth that you have betrayed. She is your, 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 your friend, your, you know, um, your soulmate, and, and, and the woman of your covenant. Um, and therefore, how could you do this terrible thing? Now, obviously, that our relationship with God is ruptured when we rupture our relationship with our spouses. And even the altar here, the, the image of the altar crying. And what the Gemara is saying is, is that a, to divorce, the, fir, uh, 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 the first, uh, you know, marriage, you know, that is sort of seen as, you know, the, you know, like the, uh, you know, the, just the foundation of the one that we hope will be forever. Like, um, and for that to end in divorce is a real, real tragedy. Um, and that is something that if it were less than a extremely justifying reason, you know, like an ervat davar, that would be something in which um, that would be seen as a total tragedy and the altar would cry and the, per- the man who did it without a good enough reason should be considered hateful or despicable and so on. That is where we sort of apply more of a big shamai ethos, maybe not exactly, but we just see don't do it for trivial reasons, you know, um, and when we sort of speak maybe more about, you know, it doesn't have to be the word, you know, like, like uh, ervatava, it doesn't have to be adultery, there could be other reasons and so on, maybe that's in a case of a second marriage. Now again, there's something very beautiful about this and about the imagery and so on, but, you know, it does make worth ending this by saying, you know, and there recently I think it was just a posting, I saw an op-ed in Times of Israel about a woman from woman who went through the whole divorce process and the way in which, you know, the rabbis are just so horrific, you know, in terms of how they deal both with the man and the 
the woman, let alone opening the door for a man to extort the wife, you know, and so on. Um, but, um, but, but, you know, people go through a very long and well-thought-out process and they decide, you know, and want to get divorced and so on. And after much, you know, going you know, many, many steps in the procedure and they finally come before the basin and then the way the rabbis just, you know, make them feel horrific that they're there, that they're even thinking about it and so on. I mean, sometimes divorce is the right decision, you know? So, um, so are they finding that right balance between don't do it trivially and at the same time, you know, don't create these enormous obstacles and saying only in, you know, cases of adultery or whatever, you know, um, you have to find the right sort of balance between the sort of what's being, you know, expressed here and, um, and the realities of life. The final thing maybe to end with is um, the word about which is actually very beautiful and speaks about the partnership, even though some of the end here and a lot of the Masechet is about the husband's sort of like unilateral um, 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 ability, you know, within the area of divorce and power and maybe even sometimes treating her like property and all of this whole discussion that we just had, saying like your, your friend and the wife of your covenant, the woman of your covenant is a very equal partnership type of an image. And um, it's actually interesting that in some ketubot that were found in the Cairo Gniza, um, they use exactly this phrase describing the marriage, um, you know, you know, you know, so um, that's a very nice note on which to end um, this Masechet.